Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Thank Father for His Word, which never returns, returns void, but it accomplishes all that it's sent out to do. I thank you for the quickening power of the Holy Spirit that's able to quicken us with your word. And th- Father, thank you that our hearts are open, that we, we are sponges ready to absorb just an incredible revelation of who you are on this day when we just celebrate your awesomeness, your, your great accomplishment at Calvary, delivering us from sin, shame, and guilt. And we thank you for that and making us family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. So we celebrate. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's something to to behold and to understand and to celebrate the Resurrection Sunday that, that we do today. And uh, it's a living hope. It's our risen Christ that we, we declare and we, we celebrate. Um, hope is a confident expectation. And it's important that as, as believers that we want to reach out in a position of strength, that we are confident in the God we serve. We're confident uh, in the resurrection so that we do not waver in times of difficulty because times of difficulty will happen. When times of storms happen, we want to be able to understand that our resurrected Christ is with us and he has sent his Holy Spirit to help us and draw alongside us. And, and we have this confident expectation that, that makes us rock solid. Even when, when uh, um, in, in a concentration camp, you still can hold rock solid because this is not based on happenings and happiness. This is based on joy, a deep knowing of our resurrected Christ. But uh, 2,023 years ago, Jerusalem was re- reverberating from, uh, with shock of the crucifixion of Christ, of, of Jesus, the brutal, humiliating, humiliating death of a, of a good man, a kind man, a, a, a life-changing man, um, was, was witnessed by, by hundreds, possibly thousands. It became national news. The national network of, of um, telephone, telegraph, and telechristian was getting out all over the world, of, uh, and it shattered the hopes of all those that were following Christ. They just had a different understanding. Everybody had an opinion about this homeless prophet from Galilee. They all had their, their thoughts and their ideas. And, uh, and I want to say that the death brought relief to the religious leaders. Absolute relief. They said, finally. I mean, his presence in the temple was just a harassment. I mean, he kicked over the tables. He missed their financial income with their money changing and all that. He really messed up the, the status quo. And sometimes that's what Jesus does, does in our life. He comes and challenges our status quo. And, 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 and they were, so they were glad he was, he, he, he was dead now. Get rid, get, get rid of that trouble, that, 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 that stone in the shoe that just irritated them. They could go back to their traditional Passover and just have it as normal. And many others, the death was brought hopeless despair, um, deep mourning, and, uh, and floods of grief. It was a national hero for a lot of those that followed Jesus, like MLK and JFK. There were, it, it, was, it was a, a shock and in those assassinations and stuff. It's like uh, when um, we were in Rhodesia and um, we were in a 14-day, uh, a 14-year war where we were, we were just trying to stop the invasion of communism and socialism and, 
and the, the back by Russia and China, and we were trying to just get our lives together and get the, the local locals back up to an educational level where they could sit at the table and, and be a part of the whole thing. And, and uh, it wasn't happening because uh, the West wanted that to change. And so it became Zimbabwe. And suddenly you, you, I'm in a hall with 2,000 uh, elite military fighters and we had a plan called Plan B, which meant we, we, would, we would take over with a military coup and keep it and, and, and sustain this nation, which was a first world country. The, the, the Rhodesian dollar was stronger than the US dollar. That's how wealthy it was. And suddenly, powers that be paid the brigadiers and stuff to say, no, you're not going to do that. And they spoke the news in that, in that hall of 2,000 people and said, there's no plan B. We are handing the nation over to communism and socialism and to these leaders. The crushing of our hearts, 2,000 men, understanding 60% of our military men were, were native locals. We all fell to our needs because we realized what that bought. And we see what that bought now in the nation. It, 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 and so we, we, we were concerned for our lives. We were concerned, what about our future? You talked about a subconscious anxiety that we lived with and people still live with because you never know what's going to happen. And so we burnt all proof from documents, and for months people just left the country, or the military convoys were just going out, taking families out, because we didn't know what was going to happen. We were going to be lined up against a wall and shot. We didn't know. So the hopelessness that I see and I read here of these disciples and followers of Jesus is very real and understanding for me, because Val and I walked through that hopelessness. And uh, they mourned Jesus' death, and their hope was pinned on Jesus being the, uh, the, the Messiah, and the one who would deliver them from their Roman domination. And their focus, their hope was, was now, on, their hope was placed on, a, on the, uh, was crucified on a cross in Golgotha by the hands of the Romans. They placed, uh, and placed in a tomb, sealed and guarded by uh, the, the Roman soldiers. Their hope, the anchor that anchored their soul, the hope giver, the life giver was now dead. You can't, you can't imagine the atmosphere of confusion and, and desperateness and lives and hearts left shocked and devastated. Oh, but the third day, stories began to circulate that his body was missing in the tomb. Others were saying he had risen from the dead. Others were reporting that they'd actually seen Jesus. There were 10 sightings and reported in the scriptures of that, of that resurrection, five on one day. Five on one day. Hope in the confusion was now starting to surface, saying, what is happening? And so the, the reports of Mary Magdalene going there in the early hours of the morning while it's still dark and finding the tomb open, coming across an angel. And then, then the, the ladies that were coming across to help had the same encounter with Jesus. And then obviously the very brave disciples, 10 of them, were behind locked doors and Jesus appeared to them and an appearance to Peter. But the fifth report of the risen Christ was the most astonishing. And uh, that's what I want to focus on today and, uh, and encourage us. The journey that began hopeless ended in a, a, an understanding with a, of a living hope. 
That afternoon on the third day, Jesus appeared to two men walking home from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Seven mile walk. Kind of got an idea because my home's eight miles from here and we've done the walk. I don't know why we do the walk when you've got cars, but we did the walk all the way home. And uh, approximately a two hour walk, give you an understanding of what that walk looked like and, and was like. And these two followers of Jesus, though they're not listed as the disciples were definitely part of the 70 that Jesus sent out. And uh, these men heard from the, from the woman that morning before leaving Jerusalem to walk to Emmaus that the tomb was empty that morning. These men still chose, though, to, 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 to hold on to the doubt and, and discouragement of the past two days. It was vivid and very real to them because they had watched every, every moment of it and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it had an impact on Emmaus was home for them. They needed to get to, to, to a place where they felt safer, away from the Roman um, leadership and, and, and the religious leadership because they, they had it in. If they're going to do that to the leader, guess what they're going to do to us as followers? So they wanted to kind of get out. They, they, they walked away from the epicenter of the life they'd had for the past three years, and that was with and around Jesus. It was a ch- massive change in their life. Their hearts were hopeless. They flooded with confusion and uncertainty. These men would, uh, would be joined by a stranger, <laughs> an encounter that would be life-changing. I want you to understand that this, this documentation and this detail of this report of, post, uh, of Jesus' post-resurrection is the most detailed and lengthy report of anybody citing Jesus or interacting with Jesus. That, that there is, there is um, no, even with, with, with Mary, it wasn't that long a, 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 a report. There, with, with, with the disciples, it wasn't that. But this, this encounter was the most lengthy documented, documented um, of encounter of, of, of them with Jesus. Knowing nothing about... The, the men walking to Emmaus, except one's name. We don't know much about it except Cleopas is the, the, the name of the one gentleman walking back. Why did Jesus pick these two people to encounter? I don't know. I don't have an answer, and um, we'll ask him when we see him one day, okay? We'll find out why. <laughs> why did you pick these two guys? But the report is in, found in Luke 24, Luke chapter 24, and, and it's been said that this would be a great three-act play if it ever be put uh, together. First act was the discouragement and how these two are walking home absolutely discouraged. The second act would be the dialogue when a stranger joins the journey and the conversation. And then the third act, this discovery, what happens at table time. Scott, table time is important. Table time's good. Luke 24, 13, it says here, the same day, that same day, two, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. They had a lot to talk about, from the trial that they felt was not right to the, to the, to the lashing that, that, that Pilate instructed and ordered, um, the, 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 the whipping on that whipping post, and in his raw flesh, torn flesh, he had carried the cross through those streets to Golgotha. And, and, and those that are traveling with us in, in, in December, in November, December, 
to Israel. We're going to walk those streets and you're going to understand the environment where he walked and dragged the cross with people pressed in on him and shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Um, getting, to the, to, uh, getting help to get onto the top of Golgotha. Uh, they're talking about all this. They're talking about the actual groans that Jesus must have expressed as they nailed his hands to that, 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 that rugged cross and nailed his, there was a lot. And then and hearing the, 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 the piercing sound of the, of, of the, of the spear into, into Jesus' side where blood and water flowed. Um, it, and then just watching him take the body and, and only the woman went and watched where they buried him in this new tomb. They would. I mean, uh, you can talk about a lot in two hours. And they were talking about it. And so we see this as they, as they were talking. And discouragement. First point I want to talk about discouragement. I want to just tell you that church, if you, if you find yourself in a position where you're getting discouraged often, you need to get to know that Christ is with you. Amen. He's supporting you. He's, he's walking with you. And he, Christ is the one that will bring you through. Life is not going to be easy. It's not going to be the French Rivera and sitting on a cruise on a river. It is going to be hard work, a headwind, because the enemy doesn't, you just change teams when you become Christian, and the enemy doesn't like that. And so he's going to press you. And, and for us to, be, um, to, to reach on a position of strength, we've got to. We've got to have um, a, a, an encouragement inside of us. And the, the, the disappointment is, is wrapped up in doubt and disappointment and, disappear, and, and despair. That's what the, the, that word is. And the three, those three things were, were flooding the souls of these two, two that were walking home. The brutal death, the sealed tumor. Now what? And they, and they quote in verse 21, it says, We had hoped he was the Messiah who had to come to rescue Israel. All their dreams, all their hopes were pinned on Jesus, and now he was dead. We find ourselves fighting this, uh, the discouragement. We find ourselves fi um, fighting doubt. Is this Jesus real? Where is he now that I'm in this dark hour? And if you can read the, that poem, The Footsteps in the Sand, sometimes you feel like, man, I'm all alone. Meantime, those footsteps is him carrying you, and your feet are not the footsteps. It's his steps taking you and carrying you through the situation. But you only will see that on the other side. And that's, we've got, we've got to understand that. And life can come and be of great despair. All hope had been lost. Three days of overwhelming sadness had flooded, flooded these men. And so they, they had a, a long time to talk all about the why they're discouraged. And yes, you can justify why you're discouraged. You can complain about the economy. You can complain about your neighbors. You can complain about all these things and have a position of discouragement. But I tell you what, in Christ, whew, we have hope. We have, we have his goodness. And so the second part of the act would be dialogue. Dialogue. And Luke, 50, uh, Luke uh, the 24, verse 15 says, And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and, became, and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Quite a few times now in Christ and his resurrected situation is, is not, not known. Mary didn't recognize him, thought he was the gardener. Peter, when he came back from fishing, because he, the only thing he could think of after Jesus is now, let's go fishing. Comes back and Jesus had a fish fry and they don't recognize him. 
again here, they don't recognize him. And the two on the road to Emmaus and a stranger butts into their conversation. It's like some of the folk that I know in this church. They just, they'd never meet a stranger. Jerry, James, Ian, Valerie, never meet a stranger. Walk right into the conversation. Whatever they're talking about, whether it be fishing, hunting, loving every day, they, 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 will, they will butt into the conversation. Valerie, right in the middle of Coles, she'll just, at the changing room, say, no, you don't really want to buy that because it doesn't look. Not even asking an opinion. But that's, and I can see why, because if they've got Jesus' DNA in them, look what he does. He just kind of butts into these guys' conversation. It's, and the conversation went, goes on in verse 17. It says, he, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their face. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person hiding under a rock, <laughs> living in Jerusalem, who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened the, there these last few days. What things, Jesus, Jesus asked? The things that had happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth. They said, he was this powerful prophet who did powerful miracles and was, was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and, and all the people. But our leaders, our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who was coming to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. So they recited the whole shooting match to the stranger that they didn't recognize. Jesus clearly noticed that they were swamped with sadness. I wanted to tell you that some of us, we got it, we, your countenance. Looks like you're sucking lemons. Here we are, have the Savior of the world. We have Christ within us. We have all the hope that, man, if, if you die, you still win. Man, what can go wrong with that deal? And you're walking around miserable because maybe you had a flat tire this morning. Whoopie-doo. Triple A, do something, but get a happy face. Yeah, I mean, hear these guys. I mean, the countenance is telling everything. Your countenance is a billboard. Stop being miserable. Hallelujah. Cleopas accuses Jesus of being clueless and a clueless outsider, missing the events of Jerusalem. Truth is, truth is that God's view and man's view is completely different. It ain't over till it's over. You can. Hang him on a cross, put a spear in his side, put him in a tomb. But boy, when resurrection life comes, it's coming. Ready or not. Ready or not. Hallelujah. And interesting that these, these two were talking to Jesus about Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, when the, the light comes on, it's really going to mess their brains. eh? Expressing disappointed, they had hope Jesus was the Redeemer because the Scriptures had promised so. And, uh, and we see the scriptures fulfilled. That should anchor our soul. The despair, the, d the doubt drowned the report of a possible risen Christ. Even though they were told by the woman, listen, the tomb is open. Jesus is risen. They still not, they, 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 their thoughts were dominated about seeing him dead, seeing his agony, and still not buying it. 
Two of them go on to, to speak to the stranger in verse 22. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see them. That's all, obviously, Peter and John. They had a good race there. Even in the middle of this craziness of Jesus, they're still going to have a race there, as men always do. Everything's a race, competition. <laughs> and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. No elaborating and saying, maybe he's risen. No, no, his body's missing, and we still don't believe that he's risen. I want us to note this thing, though, church. It is possible to not understand the resurrection and be a Christian. But it is not possible to deny the resurrection and be a Christian. The only ground we can stand on is that we acknowledge and agree that the resurrection took place. How it happened, I don't know. How Jesus walks through walls after he's resurrected, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to the day I've got my resurrected body. I can give some people frights and walk straight through the wall <laughs> looking for it. So no resurrection, no Christianity is what I see here. If it was just a death and burial, then we'd just have a story about a good moral man. And that's not what, what we have here. Many have, uh, have called themselves the way and, and as leaders, as, as, as Joey has said, but we still can find their grave and we can still find their bones. I can tell you that uh, we'll find Jesus' tomb. And those that are coming with us, we're going to have a special time of breaking bread at the tomb. And uh, it'll be a special time because uh, <laughs> it got me when I was there. That I, that's why our Savior came. And took the stone away just so that we would believe, not because he needed the stone away. He didn't need the stone away. He could have just walked out of there without the stone. But those that are coming with us, but any other buddy that considers himself the way, he can still find his bone and his bones, their bones and grave. And um, this is what sets Christianity apart from any other belief in religion is the resurrection. Our Savior, leader, Messiah, overcame death and is alive, and we have a living hope. Paul goes on and writes here in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 and 19, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of all of, of your sins. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. And we know that we have a risen Christ, that we believe. Um, and these, these on the road accepted and believed Jesus as the prophet, the healer, the good man, the redeemer, the miracle worker, but they did not believe that he had he, been raised, that there was a resurrected Christ. And Jesus asked the two walkers the question, why are you sad? Why are you sad? What things are you talking about? He, and Jesus has this wonderful way of, of dialing a question in with a question. If you ask Jesus a question, he'll answer you with a question. He just has this thing. And his questions dial, dial you in. He locates you, finds out where you are on the map. 
with your belief system. He has this wonderful thing. Like he just asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they say, oh, you, you, you know, you're the John the Baptist or you, you're one of the prophets and stuff like that. And then he says, okay, now who do you say that I am? Now you have to actually, actually answer for yourself. So who do you say Jesus is, is the question. And so those are the kind of questions and the penetrating questions. Then Jesus, the stranger, answers here in the Scriptures in verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all, the pro- all that, the, that the prophets wrote in the Scripture. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Didn't you read in Isaiah 53? That he, was going to be, uh, that, that he was going to be crushed and that he was going to be beaten and by your, his stripes we were healed. Didn't you read that in Psalms 22, that they're going to divide his clothes when they crucify him? They're going, and, and they list all these prophetic things. Unbelievable chance of it ever coming, coming true. Unbelievable. But every pro, uh, pro- prophecy came true in those, those, these, those last days with Christ. And so he's, he's, he's calling up, and then Jesus took them through the, 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 the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He was talking to them about himself while walking along the road. Hallelujah. And then to verse 28, it says, By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he was going to go on. But they begged him. Stay the, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. Last act, discovery. Whoo, a lot of shaking going on now. And when reaching Cleopas' home, they sat down to a meal. Great discovery is about to happen in verse 30. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. <laughs> and then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that, at that moment, he disappeared. Oh, at the breaking of bread, their eyes were opened. They saw Jesus and understood the scriptures. And as the scriptures say, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. When the lights come on, when I heard about Christ and his saving grace, and him paying the price for all of man's sin, past, present, and future, and now it's only a relationship deal. I took the relationship deal. I RSVP'd the invitation back 45 years ago. Woo! No, Jesus took the position of not guest, not a host, but in position of a host, not a guest, there he is, breaking the customs and serving the bread. He is the guest coming into the house. It's, it's, un, it's not custom for him to now serve the bread. He is the guest. And, 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 but what does he do? He steps up and serves. And that's what we've got to do as believers, church. We've got to be the ones that are serving the goodness of God. We're the ones that have got to continually serve them. Even if they're behaving like minus ones, we treat them like tens. Everybody. Why? Because we have the greater one dwelling us in us. And here Jesus is modeling this. What did, what did Cleopas and friend see when Jesus served the bread? What did they see? <laughs> because this was a revelation that came to me when I was preparing this. <laughs> yes. 
the nail-pierced wrists of Jesus as he broke the bread and he handed it to them. Remember Thomas? Thomas was doubting Thomas. Why? He says, until I see the, 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 the holes in his, in his wrists and the, the, the piercing in his side, I ain't going to believe. Well, I'll tell you what, as he broke the bread and he served the bread, they realized those, that's the place we saw the nails get driven in as Christ groaned on that cross. And the lights came on. The nail piercing of his wrists. Interesting. One we've been talking about is the one we've been talking to. Yeah, I've been talking about Jesus, and meantime, I've been talking to him. Quite something. You must know what was going through their cogs. Man, it, 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 it must have been burning smell because it was just what? All the stuff that happened on the road, all the stuff that's happened, and here we are talking to the one that we had our hopes dashed. The living hope was right there. The one we thought was dead was now alive. Their hopeless hearts were now hopeful. The great discovery came in a blink. I mean, you're seeing it, you're looking, and you know when suddenly you find a person and he's out of place. They shouldn't be here. They should be in California, and here they're walking through the airport doors, and you're thinking, this shouldn't be. That's what's going through their heads. This shouldn't be. We can't believe it. We saw him dead. We saw him buried, and we saw the sealed tomb. And now, so it was a long, emotional, confusing, exhausting day. And man, it ended with a mind-blowing revelation that Jesus was alive. And so in verse 32, as they said to each other, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I'm telling you, when you're in a spirit building and a light and a church where they speak the word of God, it's going to affect you in your gut, in your chest. You're going to know that God is speaking to us. Because he does, I mean, I, people when they start preaching on Harry Potter and, and, and Star Wars and stuff, trying to bring illustrations, they leave me totally cold because I don't understand it because I never watched any of it. Sorry for those that are avid Star, Star Wars guys and. Harry Potter guys, I, I'm lost. I haven't watched one of them. So don't use them as illustrations in a preaching sermon because you're going to lose me. I don't understand it. You're naming all these different people with laser guns and whatever, and I don't know anything about it. <laughs> don't talk about pie in the sky. Talk about steak on the plate. Then I can understand it. Then I can understand it. Jesus majored on opening the scriptures. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. When the scripture, it'll open your eyes, and then when it opens your eyes, it's going to open your mouth. I mean, you can't sit on this good news. You can't. I don't know. There's just no ways. And so when you see it, you've got to say it. You've got to speak it, because the information becomes revelation, and then lands up 45 years later, I'm a transformed person. I'm not the same yuck, yuck person that got saved 45 years ago. He keeps, and I'm still a work in progress. You switch off the lights, I don't still glow in the dark. I don't glow at all. Ask Valerie. She knows. <laughs> so in verse 33, it says this. And within, within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Oh, boy. Good news travels, eh? And there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. 
And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And as I was thinking of this, I, was just, I just felt that I, I wanted to break bread at the end of the service because there, there's some supernatural thing that happens and brings revelation. And there's facets of God that we've got to still discover and find and, and embrace. And so imagine the conversation going back to Jerusalem. It was colorful. I can tell you that. And it's like I was saying, when I pick up Valerie, uh, well, I pick up Linny at the airport in, in Orlando, it's one and a half hour drive back home here with Valerie, and I sit like the Uber driver in front while Val and, uh, and Linny sit in the back seat and talk away, and I pull into the driveway, they say, we're here already. <laughs> it's like they were chatting their little heads off, they didn't notice anything about the journey. That's what happened. Suddenly they were back in Jerusalem. Man, we just walked seven miles and they were back in Jerusalem. And they, they unpacked the, 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 the story. And when one meets the risen Savior, everything changes. Everything changes. One's be- believing changes. One's belonging changes. One's behavior changes. I belong to a family, an absolute awesome family called Coastal Family Church. Absolute amazing and so we, we get to, 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 our behavior starts changing from the inside out because that's how the kingdom of God works. A living hope is the anchor of our souls. And Jesus is that. He's our savior. He's our healer. He's our help. He's our, he wants that holds us and makes us whole. He truly is the anchor. The resurrection brings a living savior, which is a living hope to us. And that's what we celebrate today. Today we celebrate a living hope, our risen Savior. There's enough scripture and there's enough historical facts to ground us in knowing that Christ is risen and we can believe in the resurrection. Maria, as you come to the, if you would come up. I just want to leave you with these three thoughts about this journey to Emmaus. Three truths that we can take from it. Jesus comes to us in our situation. There is a situation where these two men walking home, discouraged, despaired, just doubting life at its And he'll meet you in that situation. Wherever you may find yourself, you may find yourself having lost a job or you may have found yourself broken relationship, you may find yourself, if you turn your face towards Jesus, He will meet you. He will come to you. Would you give Him a chance to come into your situation? We try everything else, but we don't go to Jesus first. Would you go to Jesus first? If I can encourage you with that. And He'll meet you wherever you are. It may not have to be in the church service or in a prayer meeting or at a Bible study. It may be while you're driving your car back home or you're walking your cart in the, in the, in, in the, in the grocery store. Or you may find yourself under the shower spout. Amazing when God speaks to you. Sometimes He's got to find a place where you're just seated and quiet that He can catch you and talk to you because you're so busy. 
He'll find you in your situation. But Jesus also comes by revelation. Comes by revelation because of the revelation, the Scriptures brings revelation. I call it the zoom zoom word. I read it and then suddenly it zoom zooms off the page and hits me. And I said, I've read it a hundred times. I've never seen it like that because this word is alive and it, and it brings revelation. And, and, and he, he, Jesus will come to you by revelation. And you say, well, I, somebody came and spoke to me. Yes, they came and spoke to you about the word of God. The word of God came to you by somebody else speaking to you and it became a revelation. I had that preacher tell me that Jesus went to Calvary and it paid for my sins. And when I heard that, it became a revelation that I need to RSVP the relationship with Him because all the, the, everything's been set. The table's been set to invite us to the table. And I responded because it came by revelation. And the third thing is Jesus comes by invitation. <laughs> comes by invitation. Yet Cleopas and the fr- friend realized that Jesus was traveling on. And today the message is coming to you, coming past you. Are you going to invite the relationship into your life? It comes by invitation. It just doesn't, just ha- Jesus doesn't walk into your house and take over. He comes by invitation. I invited him 45 years ago and he came and took, took residency and, and has worked, been working in me and through me ever since. So Jesus comes by invitation. So I'm asking you today, will you invite Jesus? Will you invite him into your life? Will you invite him into that situation? Maybe what's been said today has become a revelation. And if, it, if you are in that, let's respond to it. And say, oh, I'll get to it later. No, no. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day we invite Jesus as he walks by. Today, as he's wanting to move on, he's saying, no, Jesus, I need you at my table today. Would you invite him? As he's the one who paid off for our sins, he has made us righteous through him, and he has invited us to be family. What an invitation. What an invitation. So if that's you, and you haven't invited Christ into your life, if you're watching on live stream, invite Him into your life. This is a great day. You'll always remember Resurrection Sundays when I gave my life to Christ. Easy day to remember. Hallelujah. And if that's you, we're going to get the whole church to pray. And you can pray along and invite Jesus into your life. He'll come by invitation as we pray. So let's bow our hearts and bow our heads and let's all pray out loud, church. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died on that cross for me, that you paid for my sins, that you were buried and you raised on the third day. I believe in you, Jesus. You're my living hope. I accept you as my Lord and Savior and forgiver. In Jesus' name. there's any way of you can communicate with me and that you prayed that. Had Matthew last week come up after we've prayed that and said, I gave my, I gave my life to Christ. I responded to the prayer. And we've had a few that have, that have done that recently. Don't, don't allow that wonderful opportunity to pass you by. We've got new hourglass communion. Nice.
I was wondering how they're going to open. They opened quite nicely. I tested it in the first service. All right. So do not open the bottom one and then flip it over because it will mess all over you. But when Jesus broke that bread and served it, the nail-pierced hands brought revelation, brought a, a sudden understanding to all those around the table. You, have, you may have needs, you may have questions, you may have doubts, you may have disappointments. You may be sitting even with despair. I want to tell you that Christ is right there. He feels your every pain, your every ache. If he knows the numbers of hairs on your head, you think he doesn't know your heartache. And I want to believe, God, as we break this bread, that that situation will break over your life, that life will come flowing to you and through you. So, Father, as we look at these communion elements and remind us of what we are reminded about this, 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 this time in this calendar season about you going to Calvary. Jesus, that you went to Calvary and your body was broken and you, and you bled. Father, we thank you that you allowed your son to have his body broken so we could go free, so that we could become family. And so, Father, as we break and we partake together, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name. When I mentioned the, the spear piercing Jesus, that was just one of the many times his blood spilt and touched earth. Started bleeding when he got lashed. Started bleeding when his beard was pulled. He started bleeding when the crown of thorns was smashed onto his head. He bled as he walked those streets of Jerusalem to Golgotha. He bled on that rugged cross as it ran down that rugged cross and touched what needed to be redeemed, the land and the life of humanity. The blood of Christ has never lost its power. And when blood and water flowed, the birth of the church took place right there. As blood and water flows when a baby is born, the church was born at that moment. When did it cry out? <laughs> the day of Pentecost, the baby. Until then, it was a whole delivery process right through till Pentecost, and then the baby cried with tongues. The body of Christ, but the blood paid the way. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist said, this is what we acknowledge set us free, paid for our sins, and washed us as white as snow. So Jesus, thank you for your blood. And we partake remembering its power. And we appropriate the power to our lives to walk as you walked, to live as you lived, to speak as you speak. In Jesus' name, amen.